I was feeling so sick. I think I'd thrown up at the at the parking lot before going into my car. And I just knew that it had all been a lie and that I got it defrauded, you know. Okay, it basically comes down to this. You have to forget everything your culture has told you about being a woman. And then you can begin your day. Hi, I'm Jill Sorensen, and you are listening to the new feminist podcast, The Place for Common Sense Feminism. Penilla Schoholm lost her life savings when she was conned by a man she met on the dating app Tinder in 2018. The man who claimed to be Simon Laviv, a wealthy heir working in the diamond business, was in fact a con artist called Shimon Hayut. The hit Netflix documentary, Tindler Swindler, tells the story of how the Israeli swindler used Tinder to connect with women all over the world to emotionally manipulate them into financially supporting his lavish lifestyle. Penilla, who is Swedish, connected with another victim, Cecilia from Norway. Together with a newspaper, they connected the dots and were able to expose him. And that is what eventually became the documentary. All the women whom were bankrupted have never been paid back, yet Shimon Hayut still walks free to continue his criminal scheme. We are thrilled to have Penilla Schoholm here today to share her story. Penilla, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the New Feminist Podcast. We're so excited to talk to you, and we're finally found a time. <laughs> but thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Take us back. You live in Sweden, you're single, and you decide to go on a dating app. And why Tinder, by the way? I mean, I had been in a very long relationship before this happened. I I had been in like seven and a half year relationship before. I'd just been single for a couple of months. Last time I was single, dating apps didn't even exist. I mean, iPhone didn't even exist back then. So for me, everything was like very new and very fresh. Yeah, so I I don't think it was a reason. I think just like everyone used Tinder by then. What made you pick Simon's profile? What stood out? So I think his profile had looked a little bit different throughout the time. I was looking for some because I was living quite a good life. I would say I would travel a lot. I was going to a lot of places. I, I had quite a good life. So, I mean, I was looking for someone who could keep up you know, a bed, you know, someone who loved to travel and experience life and, you know, maybe not live the normal life in an office eight to five every day. I remember his profile was seen like from a lot of different places. So I think that was the thing that he seemed to be traveling a lot. What was your first date like? Like, where did you meet up? So we first matched when he was in Stockholm and he wanted to meet up. He was trying to get me on a jet to go to Barcelona with him. And I hadn't even met him before. So I was like, no, like I am not leaving my business obligation to go with a guy that I like never seen just go on a private plane, you know, like to Barcelona. I was like, no, it's like, oh, we better meet up soon. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Three weeks later, we were talking on the phone and stuff. So he invited me over to Amsterdam where he was living. Uh-huh. So our first date was in Amsterdam where I felt very, very safe because I had friends there. 
So I was just thinking if I just go on a date with this guy and then it's no good, you know, I can just go and meet up with my friends. Uh-huh. But had you gone on other dates? Because you said you've been in a long relationship. Had you gone on other yeah. dates before him? So you kind of knew like what to expect? And Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of dates. I think it would say that I had been on a few. I mean, I'm a very social person and uh, my work life, I've been in company sales. So I am very used to meeting a lot of new people. So it's not anything that I'm scared of. I'm not the one who would get nervous before okay. a date. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you fly down to Amsterdam and you meet him. What was your first impression when you saw him? <sighs> that he was like, maybe not like when I saw him, he was not really my type. (laughs) (laughs) No, but he seemed like he was having this like a little bit of an aura, you know, like where someone is a little bit cocky. And then I know that it looks, but we all prefer something. And he was a little bit shorter than I had imagined him to be. Uh And I, I don't know. I just was not getting any butterflies I didn't get the butterflies, you know, I didn't get that feeling, but we had a lot of fun. We became best friends after this. We had so much fun when hanging out. Like I was teasing him so much and I remember it was so funny. I remember at one point he said like, yeah, well, normally I have my bodyguard here, you know, safety is very important. And then he had just told me that he had gotten a kid on a one night stand in Thailand. And I remember just kidding with him. I was like, yeah, but that safety wasn't that important in Thailand, was it? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like we just, but we clicked, we had a lot of fun, but not in the romantic way. Uh Uh-huh. So how did you decide to continue to hang out? Well, he came to see me in Stockholm. I had another trip booked into Amsterdam. I was going with my grandma and grandpa to go and see, you know, the tulip fields and everything. So we hanged out when I was there. Then I came back to Stockholm again. And, you know, we just almost started talking every day, you know, in WhatsApp. And we were using voice notes a lot. And then we started traveling. He came to see me when I was in Mykonos. We went to Rome together. And yeah, I mean, like we traveled around and met up a little bit here and there. And he had other girlfriends and stuff and you were, and you met some, some young. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Later on, he met his girlfriend, Polina, who was with him. That was his like official girlfriend that I knew. So, I mean, I hanged out with Polina a lot. I mean, we get along very well. And I mean, after everything happened and everything, of course, but I mean, like I'm still friends with her. So. Okay. So, so you're friends with him and you travel and you have fun yeah. When you first realized that something is not what it seems. I would say that he was starting to seem like a little bit stressed. He didn't just like throw stuff that happened around him at you. He was doing it like he was, what do you say, like sugaring it up like a little bit here and there. Uh-huh. But I would say that when I really realized something was like really, really wrong is, of course, like when I started getting the fake checks and stuff back. But I was what, more what worried mean? for him before. Getting the fake checks. He he started asking you to to borrow money, right? Or, or... Yeah, because he was using. So when he defrauded me, uh, he started sending me these like news articles online about the Levi family that he have said that he have 
come from the entire time. He had passports, all the hotel, you know, like everyone legitified who he was. I was meeting colleagues, childhood friends, all of it. You know, every restaurant you would go into, they were like, oh, welcome back, Mr. Levive. <laughs> Hotels, oh, welcome back, Mr. Levive. Everyone knew him. So he was sending me these news articles. And this these are real news articles about that it happened to the family that someone was in the airport for smuggling diamonds. And he said that due to this, they had locked like all the accounts and he needed to sort the situation out. Because due to the business he was in, he uh, had a lot of, you know, enemies. And now it's getting very serious. And I need to look after my safety and even the people closest around me. And that I'm sadly to inform you that they know who you are and that involves you too. Now, so, so I need to keep you. For the people who ha- has not, oh, have not seen the show, yeah. tell us who did he pretend to be? He pretended to be Simon Levive and said that he was a part of the Levive family who owns the Levive Diamonds. He said that he was, what do you say, like a diamond mogul, you know? How did his scheme work? So he hired actors around him or friends? Yeah, he still does. (laughs) I call it his fraud partners, though, because that's what they are. So he had a bodyguard. He had a business part. Can I say names? <laughs> yeah, sure. You can say names. Yeah. yeah so Please do. The people that I met. Yeah. So <laughs> it was Peter, the bodyguard. And then he had his business partner, Abishai. And then one person that wasn't even in the movie that had a lot of involvement in my case was also his assistant, Claudia. They, as a team, defrauded me. And, and the, he did he ha, he had a woman also pretended to be mother of or his ex. That is a, no. So she is actually the mother of the child, and she's also a former victim of his. She's the one who put him in jail in Finland, and then when he came out of jail, she basically helped out to defraud. For example, Cecilia. That that I mean that that's just beyond. Tell us how his scheme worked. So he worked on friends and he also worked on women. I would say that he used it as a Ponzi scheme. I think everyone knows what a Ponzi scheme is. So basically he would use my money and then spend a little bit on someone else, but mostly on himself. I just want to say that I have not benefited. (laughs) I haven't benefited anything out of this. I think I've benefited like what they say, like what he was giving me, like a ticket to Amsterdam and dinners you know when you go out I have not gotten any gift or luxury lifestyle or anything but I think in some of the cases you know he was giving out like private plane tours but then as well he defrauded the jet companies he was spending you know money on dinner and you know pretending to have a certain lifestyle in front of people and that to defraud them in the end so he then suddenly in the panic called you in Sweden and said he needed to borrow money yeah I was like, can't you, can't you ask someone else? Because like, for me, this is a lot of money. You you can just talk to some other friends, family or anything. So then he said, like, no one want to be there when you're in struggle, only when it, the sun is shining and not when it's raining. So no one want to be there for me anymore because now I'm in problems. 
So I felt like like he was making it like it was really sad and feeling sorry for himself. I felt very bad for him, you know, like he was a very good actor. But then as well, like he put it up like he needed this for his safety and also mine. And I was scared. I was scared for my safety. And how much money did he say he wanted? Um, so he asked for 25,000, 25,000 euro, which he got. So around like $25,000, which I sent it over. And then I sent over another 8,000 on a transfer. And then I helped him out with some flights. And the flights were quite expensive. <laughs> I think one of the flights were like seven and a half thousand dollars. So it turned out to be over, I think it calculated it all into 56,000. Wow. So you started realizing something's not right. He gave you a fake check back? Yeah. Yeah. So he came around Christmas. He sent me this like bank transfer where he have sent it over the double, you know, like on a hundred thousand. And he was going to send me over 50 by then. And I was like, oh, my God, this is too much. So him and Polina, who's also on the phone, were like, no, but you deserve everything. We're so happy and so grateful for you always being there. Just want you to have, you know, the best Christmas and everything is possible. So I was super grateful and thankful. And then I went, but this is the funny, it's not funny, but it's a weird part. I go in with this transfer on my bag two times and they legitify it. And saying that the money is going to come soon. So that made me get defrauded on even more afterwards. Apparently the bank can't even see if it's a fake one or not. (laughs) Only the sender. And the only one who can get the sender information is the one who made the transfer. So yeah, it was an interesting lesson that I learned. And what about her, Polina? Did she say why she didn't lend him money? I don't want to go into her case. She, I mean, like if she want to talk about what happened to her, I think that is up to her to tell and not, yeah, yeah, not me really. So, to be honest, how did you then find the other women who were victims? I was contact. So, how I really found out, I was scared that I got into fraud and I was starting to have my suspicions and I had a very bad feeling. Then, one day, I'm standing at a work fair and I'm getting a text message on my Facebook uh, where it says, hello, my name is Erlen and I'm working for BG, which is one of the biggest newspapers in Norway. And uh, he says that he's working on a case on an Norwegian woman who have got it defrauded by a fraudster who's proclaiming to be Simon Levi, but his real name is Shimon Hayut, and asking if they could talk to me. And I just, you know, <laughs> I think, you know, like when you know that you just ruined your entire life and just like everything just showered over you, I had to like run out of there. I was feeling so sick. I think I'd thrown up at the at the parking lot before going into my car. And I just knew that it had all been a lie and that I got it defrauded, you know? Yeah. I'm not going to do the long story because then I think this interview will go too long. But that's how I ended up in that meeting Cecilia. So she was the original woman that they were going to do a news article about. And then I helped out the magazine with 
everything that I had. And I even I started, you know, helping finding other people and other other victims of his because I just felt so left out that no one had contacted me. No one had warned me. I mean, I just I just felt so sad and just like like I wasn't worth anything. There were so many people knowing about me, like American Express. I've had my American Express card and membership for years before this happened. And they haven't even warned me. The newspaper have had my information for months. And I just never want until today another person feeling so left out that even, you know, the police (laughs) that Cecilia had went to both in Norway and in England, they all had my contact information even. And it wasn't even worth a five second phone call to help me because she turned this over in May. I got her defrauded in late November. So I just decided that I'm not going to let him get away with this. And I'm going to do everything in my power to stop him. I'm going to do everything to put his face out everywhere. And I'm going to try and, you know, track down all the leads and everything possible to find potential victims or people that he's trying to defraud to stop him. And so you and Cecilia got together. And how many women did you find that he had defrauded? I found like five, but I also find men and I also found companies. Wow. And I think the worst ones were the companies, the jet companies, for example. I know one jet company, he defrauded them almost $300,000. And then there is another company in another country in Europe where he defrauded on $800,000. Wow. But Cecilia, she was in love with him, right? Like he had pretended and she was thinking of moving in with him. And then he did the same scheme. on Yeah. I mean, like she thought she had met the man of his life. She thought that this was the man, you know, she was going to get married with her children when, you know, like we're thinking a future with as well. So I think like for both, both of us, I mean, like I lost my best friend. She lost her boyfriend. I think that what we can say today is, that person that we thought we knew never existed, but that person that we thought we knew was great to be around. You know, it's like someone had died, yeah. but then there's like this strange thought that that person never existed. And that it was so evil. You know, I wonder when I watched the series, because you're Swedish, she's Norwegian. Yeah. You know, I grew, grew up in, in Sweden. My parents are Danish. I live in the States, but I'm wondering, did he look for people in Scandinavia? Cause Scandinavian people are very trusting because women are independent. They work, they have money, you know, do you think that he had a scheme on that? I will say that this man had a woman in every country. Wow. Like I know about two other Swedish victims that he defrauded on quite a lot of money. I know in Poland Germany, Amsterdam, Italy, let me else think. And then it was Norway, England, Switzerland. Oh gosh, yeah, there were just like so many places that I know of. So I think it wasn't only Scandinavia. I mean, like it was everywhere. Yeah. It's amazing to me that he could uphold pretending to be 
a boyfriend to so many women at the same time. And then defrauding the jet companies and then friends. And to be honest, this is actually a talent that he has because I have no idea how this man is capable of keeping track on every story that he have told everyone. Normally, you know, when you meet someone and someone would try and do this, they would mix up the stories or, you know, say something that didn't really get along with what they have said before or, but it never happened. And everyone I have talked to have said the same. He really keep tracks on his stories. I wonder, it's like, did he have like a notebook or something that he was like exactly going because of what, what he says to each person? Yeah. Just unbelievable. But I think what the most like evil thing that he did that made everything so trustworthy because you meet a lot of people. I mean, like I told you, I met assistants, I met business partners, childhood friends. Mm-hmm. Cecilia met the mother of his child, and she I mean, says that he is a good man, you know? And why is, he, is that woman doing that? I don't get it. So that's where I want to come to. I think that what the most evil part is, I mean, this is quite a hard word, world to live in as a woman as it is. And for a woman to do this towards another woman, I mean, like, we should be there, like, protecting each other, exactly. guard each other, you know. We we should stand together and be strong together. And I think that that was so hurtful as well, you yeah. know, because we trust. When another woman is there, we trust. And it's, trust it's, it's, I mean, yeah. like, if three guys would come up to you and say, like, hey, do you want to join us to a party? You would say, obviously, no, I will not go. But if it would be two women there, you would feel safe. Exactly. Yeah. In a way. No, that's really, that's really dark of, of her to do that. Um, but in my case, it, it, it was the same. Like I was surrounded, like he introduced me to these women as well. Assistant, business person, like IT persons. And that is the way like why I really trusted because they confirmed everything as well. So he got in women into the scheme as well. Just so sneaky. So, so with Cecilia and and some of these women, that what did you guys all do to try to stop him? Then, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So first, a uh, news article came out. <laughs> I forced them to say like, I'm not going to help them, or I'm not going to do anything unless they do the piece in English, because that was so important. Because if they wouldn't do the article in English, uh, we would not be able to spread it out. Exactly. It would only be in origin. And if it would be in origin, I mean, it doesn't matter if I would have sent it to a hundred places, no one is going to, you know, Google translate it. So in the end, they read on doing that, which is the first time I think they ever did a piece in the English version as well. So <laughs> me and Cecilia, when we... We were in contact from like when everything was released. And I remember we were sitting in her London apartment. We were just like, okay, let's get it out. You know, so we were just like sitting there emailing. I think like every newspaper we could find in every country. I think we must have sent like 50 or 100 emails, you know, that day. So I was just sitting there on the floor and she by the computer. I was just sitting, oh, here's another one. Here's another one. And we were just like bombarding it. And I think we said yes to every interview who was out there. I mean, it wouldn't matter if it was like my little pony who would call, we would say yes, you know, because we knew as if more people knows about him, 
that it's going to be more it's going to be more difficult for him to defraud people. Mm-hmm. So we were just like trying to get it out everywhere. <laughs> it really went everywhere. He so, posted it on Facebook and it went viral or something too, right? So the newspapers were then sharing it out and the, and the original one went a bit viral as well. I think they had like over 2 million reads on that wow. news article. We just said yes to everything. We were just like working so hard to get it out. I just loved it when I saw you guys get together and go, go after this. Guy. Yeah. I was like, yeah. No, no, no. It's so funny. So the last phone call I had, like one of the last things I said to him, he was like, he threatened me and I got very scared. And something I learned is that never show yourself weak. And I remember just like saying to him, like, don't try to jump up on a high horse above me because I will jump up on a giraffe when this is over. Like, I will destroy you. And I think that I kept my promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and that is, it's, I'm so happy about that. Now, didn't you fly in, if I'm remembering just the film, you flew in and you had to meet him somewhere once you knew who yeah, he was? Yeah, because like, when I just find out what have happened to me, I think that it took like eight hours and he sent me like a, he, want, he sent me a flight and wanted me to come over to Germany Uh to discuss some things uh like he was trying to you know like lend more money he was like oh maybe i can give you a watch or something so i was just pretending like yeah yeah that is that is fine because i wanted him arrested so while he's doing this i'm standing in the police station so i'm telling them that okay so he's going to be in germany so they tried they said that they were going to try and do a international arrest warrant and get him arrested so that's why I decided to go to Germany because they had said that they were going to get him arrested there and then. But then just like two hours before my flight, they said that we're not going to be able to do it. So I just decided to go anyway, because then I, I was thinking in my head, this is going to go so fast um, that if I go, he's still going to trust me and I can just let them know where it is. It's probably not going to take more than a week before that international arrest warrant is going to come. Sadly, it just like didn't come in the end. Well, he was arrested finally. When did he go to jail? <sighs> yeah, I mean, this looks like a happy part in the movie, but it's actually not. So when I found out that he had gotten arrested in Greece, I thought it was the international arrest warrant that had went out and he was going to stand charged for what he had done to me, Cecilia, and so many other victims. Sadly, what we found out later is that Greece had only arrested him on a fake passport and no international arrest warrant. He was wanted in seven countries, but no one had done the international arrest warrant. And so they sent him to Israel. So sadly, that is sad for me to talk about because that ended up with Sweden passing and dropping my case because they can't get him out of Israel. So that was sort of like the end for my the end for my justice, you know, in that matter. You never got your money back. No, I never got my money back. He never sent charge for what he did towards me. He's safe in Israel. So I really wish that, you know, like that they hadn't caught him on a fake passport because it destroyed everything that I had been working so hard for. And for me to move on, you know, after this story, I have changed my perspective of justice. In the beginning, everybody knew who he was. 
He was getting an international arrest warrant, him standing charged for what he had done towards me. And now I think for me to move on and live my life, I've just changed my justice to trying to change the laws instead and hoping for a better future for others. Than well, so he went to jail for a, a fake passport, you said fake identity in Greece? Yeah, fake passport. They just kept him for two weeks and then they sent him to Israel because Israel was his home country and he was still wanted in Israel for former charges since he had fled from fraud cases there before. So he went to Israel and he spent a year in prison there. And then he came out earlier. So he spent a year. He was supposed to spend like one and a half, I think. And he came out earlier due to Corona and good behavior. So now he's out there free again. And is he doing doing this bullshit again? Yeah. I read some article that he has all this money or something. (laughs) It's just a beyond. (laughs) And what name is he going by now? No, he's still using his time with the vibe and that it's all fake. We were just going after his money. He's trying to say that he made money on Bitcoin. And listen, this guy don't have any money. And I found it so interesting I find I have seen in so many interviews where journalists can be like, "Oh, what do you think about him doing this and that?" and and then I'm like, "Okay, so where did you get the information from?" Oh, he said so. I was like, "Okay, is he doing all of this just because he said so?" And people said that we were stupid. <laughs> you know, it's just like he doesn't have any money. He doesn't do anything. I know that he rented in some actors to when he was going to court now to pretend that he had bodyguards. He weren't, it wasn't even real bodyguards, it was just some actors. It's just so pathetic. So pathetic. So tell me, how did the story eventually become a Netflix film? So when we went out and spread the news everywhere, me and Cecilia, we got contacted by... Our agent, Addison, at United Talents. So we started working on spreading this out. So we started that project. Like, this was quite soon on after I even found out I got a defrauded. Everything happened so fast. So we started that out, I think it was like March or April 2018. And then we were interviewing different production companies. And then we found ATC which are the one who owns the right to the movie. Mm -hmm. Well, that's just awesome that you guys did that. How has the documentary changed your life? Or has it? I mean... You know, by it being out in the open. Well, for me, it's really hard still to touch on. I I mean, I never expected it, you know, to become this big. I thought we were going to make like a small documentary somewhere. It is the most watched documentary in history, Netflix, so... You just, I I mean, like when we started this project, we didn't know if it's going to be like an hour on BBC or something somewhere. We had absolutely no idea it was going to end up in Netflix. We didn't even know that until quite late. I think it was like even after we started filming. So how it changed my life. Well, I've gotten a lot more new opportunities. Uh, I do a lot of speeches now, which I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, where I have been traveling, although now I'm pregnant, so I'm not doing much, but <laughs> I'm still living my life as I did, as I did before, ever, before this movie and everything happened. Of course, it opened up other doors, but I remember in the beginning, I, w- I could just get so surprised. You know, I remember me and Cecilia, we were going to do a TV show in 
in the US and you went over there and all of a sudden you had like paparazzis over you, like people coming screaming and taking pictures. And I was like, what, the, what is going on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, kudos to you guys for working so hard and getting together and finding all those women and, and getting the story out. Because yeah. even if it's not this guy that someone has stopped by, or, you know, there could yeah. be millions of others where, where women wake up in particular, women wake up and, and yeah. pay attention. Yeah, but that is what we're working so hard on, me and Cecilia, right now. And that's why we love doing the speeches. This is why we love talking about it. This is why, you know, I love doing the podcast and everything. I think we really need to change as well, like the victim shaming and blaming that we do towards mm. victims. I think at one point, you know, we could Google our name and the first word coming up afterwards was gold digger. And you're like, oh my God, I would be the worst gold digger on earth. Isn't a gold digger supposed to take money, not give <laughs> away the money? <laughs> and you got to blame by these incels and stuff. Like people, some people are just so mean as well. I would say that I got it 95% love and then 5% hate. But it's just awful how people behave and how you behave towards victims in general, especially when it comes to women. It's the same thing like when a woman gets defrauded, you getting called stupid, gold digger, blame yourself, you're an idiot, and, you know, you just laugh. And this is why people don't even want to say they have gotten defrauded. This is why no one want to talk about it. But if it happens to a man and it is a woman who have defrauded him, it's like, oh, poor man, an evil woman. Yeah, she's a witch and we're going to hunt her down. Yeah, yeah. but if it's a woman who got defrauded by a man, it's stupid, blame yourself. And I compared a little bit to how the society used to look like. I know, at least like in Sweden for many years ago, you used to blame the rape victims as well. Well, you were drunk. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Even in court, what panties were you wearing? I think you were asking for it. What did you think was going to happen? You never say like blaming the predator. Like, Why did he do this to you? Exactly. Yeah. But it's always the question, why did you give him the money? It's never the question, why did he take the money from you? Yeah. Or why did he defraud you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I've been through a similar situation myself when I was very young in my early 20s. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I made a lot of money. And, and this man who dated a few, I was modeling back then with Ford. Yeah. And he uh, just got a lot of money out of a bunch of well-known models and women. And we helped each other. And I helped some women try to, in their lawsuits and this and that. Oh, that's very strong. Finally went to jail. And I know it can happen, even happens to the smartest woman. But it can really, fraud can happen to anyone. I did a very interesting podcast three weeks ago regarding the movie Catch Me If You Can about Frank Abagnale with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know that 95% of that real-life story is lies? It's just bullshit. I didn't know Yes, he... So they made a movie about a fraudster who had made his fraudster memoir and made it into a movie. So, I mean, like, he defrauded entire Hollywood. He defrauded everyone i mean he never defrauded pan am of these like multi-million dollars he defrauded them i think it was like two thousand dollars he was never hunted by the fbi he never worked for the fbi and that's then, not even you know, true? 
No. Yeah, you don't want to make uh, stars or an amazing reputation out of criminals. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's sadly too what can happen when when something becomes a hit. Or- yeah, I mean, like the biggest biggest investor behind another fraud are sadly with Leonardo DiCaprio as well, like Wolf of Wall Street. It was also invested a hundred million dollars by a fraudster mm. to I- make the movie. I get angry. I just hear that name. He's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It's uh, it's like you faming. I know. Like I saw him, like he was going to come and do like a show. How do you do this? Like he's a criminal. He's a fraudster. Like yeah. what is everyone doing? It's like, he's going to teach you on how to do sales. He did fraud. Yeah, he didn't uh, do sales. He uh, did fraud. Uh, yeah. That's, that's appalling. Well, I hope that yeah. the Simon guy goes to jail. I hope all the women get justice. So to help other women and men out there not to fall in the same trap, are there some warning signs you could give? Any piece of good advice for anyone listening? Well, of course, like always talk to friends and family when you're seeing someone, or even if you were, sometimes you're thinking that you're getting in a troubled situation. This can also be, even when it doesn't involve money, like it can be an abusive relationship or something, because this is financial abuse when it comes to fraud. It's also a sort of abuse. It's like you have to talk to people and not isolate, because I think that when looking at it afterwards, I can be like, oh my God, how could I believe that? Or how could I trust that? But when you're so sucked into it, like you can be sucked into a relationship, it makes it very believable. So I think talking with friends and family and like just like sharing more, not being so scared to be judged. And then of course, never give away the money. <laughs> but <laughs> it is difficult. When, it is difficult when you were there. I think we just have to talk more and share more, but also as well, like, I think I was scared, you know, like in the beginning, starting transferring the money, I was scared that, but what if this is a fraud? But that means everything before has been a fraud, for example. I think it's so hard working in how we society view fraud victims, because if we take away that victim shaming and blaming that we are doing towards fraud victims, I think that this would happen to a lot less people. Yeah, And also a very important number, if anyone tells you anything about something similar that happened to them, I have so many stories been told to me since after the movie, is that keep in mind that suicide increased by 20% when it comes to financial damage. So when it comes to fraud or people losing their life savings and stuff, 20%, it's a very, very high number. Yeah, no, it was it was really devastating to watch that show and see, you know, this financial stress. Yeah, it's very easy to say it's just money, but it's not just money. You know, like you have lost your self-confidence. You lose your own gut instinct. Like, why didn't I see this, didn't I? Yeah. And that that's a scary place to be when you question your own judgment. But it can really happen to anyone. I mean, 2 to 4% of the society is, uh, what do we say, like psychopaths. So some of them are not as worse, you know, like a serial killer or serial fraudsters, but... Let's say 0.5% turns out to be that. I mean, like we all have met them. They're all around us. I mean, if you look into your bosses or something, I think that psychopaths and narcissists are like 12% of bosses are like in high places. They, they can be anywhere and they can happen to anyone. 
Well, I want to say thank you so much for speaking out. Thank you for making this such a big thing and raising awareness about this. Thank you so much for coming on the New Feminist Podcast to share. Oh, thank you so much for having me. We hope to see you soon. Yes. (laughs) Just going to deliver the babies first. (laughs) For more on Pernilla Schoholm, you can follow her on Instagram at Pernilla. Elizabeths to stay updated on her speaking schedule and more. If you like this episode, make sure to share it with your friends. For info and links on our guests, go to our website, thenewfeminist.net, and make sure to subscribe. We always love to hear from you. If you have someone you think we should speak to, let us know. And make sure to follow on Instagram at The New Feminist Official. We'll be back next Friday with a new podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Jill Sorensen. Thanks for listening. Our producers are Sienna Jackson and Jill Sorensen. Our editor is Lucy Baker Swinburne. Original music by Richard Baskin. You can contact us at thenewfeminist.net. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating or review. This is your host, Jill Sorensen. You've been listening to The New Feminist. Until our next episode, thank you for listening.